AEW is about to run the largest non-WWE pro wrestling event in North America since the January 4th, 1999 WCW show in the Georgia Dome. Wrestle Grand Slam will be this Wednesday before approximately 19,000 fans in Queens, New York. I'm Ryan Joy and I run MinutesToBellTime.com, a website and database tracking pro wrestling around the world. On today's show, we're talking about what we think might happen at Wrestle Grand Slam, especially in the main event. Travis Severance is in the house. We also have headlines for the last 24 hours, including more on Ric Flair and an update on the G1 Climax. And this is the Daily Wrestling News Show for September 21st, 2021, where we sort through all the bullshit in wrestling news to find you the truth. Travis, Wrestle Grand Slam. What an app name. It is a Wrestle Grand Slam. Wow. <laughs> like, it's funny. When they announced that, I initially I jumped right at the fact that New Japan is running Wrestle Grand Slam like for months over there. And I thought, uh, is this going to be like a tie in thing that they're going to? Well, like, we got Suzuki on the show. So I guess there's a bit of a tie in, but it doesn't appear to be related at all. They just wanted to use the name, but it's right next to Shea Stadium. Yeah, exactly. And Suzuki's on his North American tour, so he's going to be all over the place. You should, this is like, reminds me of the Eagles Health Roses over tour. Like he's doing, he's playing all the hits that he possibly can. So good for him. Um, yeah, Arthur Ashe. It's funny listening to Tony talk about it. He's it just fell in my lap. Like it was there. It was an obvious thing that nobody had run it before had seats. I think they started out with what did they say? They were going to do 12,000 there or they were going to do 15. And then the, I think there's been at least two bands where they've opened up seats more and more for the show and stuff. And they're looking at 19,000 right now. Last I checked was last night at 8 PM. They were about 600 tickets out. That's crazy. Fell out, which been, I think would be like 19.4. So they're pretty close to 19,000. Yeah. And so there's a lot of metros in that area that they can pull from. Boston's not too far. Philly's not too far. You've got a a lot of big populated areas and it's impossible to not say that the promotion right now is on fire. The momentum that they have right now and with Tony still saying more surprises to come, more surprises to come, like, I, I don't know, the card for the two different shows is pay-per-view caliber, um, not much throwaway, not much waste. And the interesting thing to look at it is they're all decent sized storyline builds. And some of them are coming off the heels of the conclusion of storylines from the pay-per-view, which was only a couple of weeks ago. Right. So it's possible folks to take two wrestlers or four wrestlers or six wrestlers and shoot them into a storyline, develop it for three or four weeks and have the blow off and then move on to new opponents. Or not, or continue the story. Yes. I have to sort through. So I mentioned in the opener, it's been 22 years. WCW held that record January 4th, 1999 WCW show at the Georgia Dome. It was a nitro. I believe Hulk Hogan defeated Kevin Nash. In the, okay. uh, the event of that show. I wasn't I sure was thinking it's Hogan, Hogan Nash or Hogan Goldberg. Right. Um, so that would have drawn Nash. that number. So that makes sense to me. Completely different time though. Right. What's exciting about this is I bet you, if you go back and you were to look at those nitro numbers, they were probably pulling some kind of a crazy eight two that night or something oh, yeah. like that. Just the sheer volume of people, the limited number of channels, the lack of streaming service and stuff. The game has completely changed now. 
But the fact that live body, you're comparing apples to apples in this day and age, especially in the middle of the pandemic like this, and those are all vaccinated card holding people that got it right in there too. Like, I think one of the concerns you and I had talked about maybe backstage previously or when they had announced that was, oh, you know what? The attendance is probably going to take a hit for this because everybody ha that goes in there has to show proof of vaccination. And apparently we were very wrong. The first, the first block of tickets were sold before that came out. That sure. Before New York made that rule. So it's possible that we could still see many empty seats on account of that, but, but the tickets sold and they keep selling more. So it's oh, if the initial batch had put them on the secondary because they didn't want to get a shot or something, then, then they all got bought up and we're, we're still releasing more tickets. So yeah, I had buzzed over on a couple of different secondary market sites. The tickets are going for a, a, a pretty good clip still. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised, but if you're not in Queens, you can still the second best seat in the is the right in your living room, I guess. Absolutely. There's a whole crap load of matches. I think there's 11 matches overall. They've only announced five for Dynamite, which is a very interesting. It's very interesting. They always announce six, regardless of if they have CM Punk's going to talk or someone's always going to talk. They usually always announce six matches. We have five. So the main event is presumably the main event. I guess maybe it might not be. Maybe it'll open the show. Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. Non-title match. I, the reason I say maybe it won't be the main is because maybe they'll want to give us the illusion that it'll run a long time and do a time limit draw. That's a possibility. And maybe they go with Malachi Black in the main event or something like that. But Travis, this is the hardest match. Figuring out how, thinking about how, predicting how they're going to book Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson when we just had the whole Christian Cage beat Kenny Omega leading to the the pay-per-view. How is this going to play out? What do you, what's your prediction on how this thing plays out? You're going to see some dirty DQ schmaz finish, right? Like they usually do. I trust them not to do that considering it's only happened one time and it was during an Iron Man match. So it had no relation to the finish. So somebody's going to take a pin here or a submission or a submission. The, just the fact that like four weeks ago or five weeks ago, the idea of Brian Danielson in the ring with the best bout machine, Kenny Omega was like, a pipe dream. Ha ha ha. We're ever going to see this match. And that this is first match. Welcome yeah. to AEW kid. You're against our title holder, our trademark guy, our, our main event superstar. Here it is. So it's weird because we know they book smart and we know they tell intelligent stories. And that's the reason why all of us are there. The talent is phenomenal and the writing is, is quality. And it can actually keep my brain in that chair the entire time. The non-title is weird. Because you don't know if that's a swerve. It makes it so it's hard to predict the finish. I think it made sense though, because if they want to stick to the whole rankings thing, like we have rankings, we're not going to hot shot Brian Danielson into the company, give him a title match. I think that, that was a good call. Dude. Absolutely. It, yeah. You do lose the locker room being able to bitch that he was put into that position. But it, what it does is exactly what you're saying. They bring somebody in, they can throw him into a title match or they can throw him into somebody that's holding a belt without saying... This is the title match and you get to see the match you want to see as opposed to, I think the other thing that it does too curiously is if they've got other storyline plans that they're working towards, which I think all of us are pretty positive that the Adam Hangman page is the, is the finish here. You can bring a guy in that you signed last week, boom, put him into the, put him into a match that everybody wants to see and then build back around that too. So smart move. Not, I'm not surprised with it. How do I call this? I think. We're going to full gear with the same match and that's in Minneapolis or 
presumably Minneapolis. That's news that's been coming out the last couple of days. Nothing confirmed yet, but I think that's where we're headed. And I so, think in a weird twist, usually what we have is Brian Danielson getting himself into a three-way match. But since Brian Danielson's in this match and Kenny Omega's here and it's in Minneapolis, I think what we're going to see is Brock Lesnar, oh, Minnesota yeah. resident, weaseling himself into this three-way dance. Maybe him or Shelton Benjamin, one of the two. Uh, you got two choices. Great wrestlers. Yeah. There you go. So this match, though, all seriousness aside, or all seriousness on the table, I think we have Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson in full gear. So what do we do in this match? If that's the, do you agree that's where we're going? Or do you think there's something else at play? I, th I think that, I think we see that. I don't see anybody else mingling around in that realm right now. It's weird because he stepped in and became like the Jurassic Park, Jurassic Express guy's guy. Like, I think we'll probably get a four-way with Christian Cage as well coming in soon. We might see another Jungle Boy match in there, but I don't think we're going to Jungle Boy with a title. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. I don't, I think in an odd situation, and I think where this is very different than where his status is compared to somebody like an Adam Cole, I think Adam Cole needed that win. I think Brian Danielson can take a pin here and it's compelling and they can give him some shit about it and say, ah, you thought you were going to come in and you're going to be the big mate of Edder and you got your ass beat and that's how it goes this time. I think Kenny not losing is a lot more important than Brian winning to me. Interesting. So the, I don't like the idea of us going to a draw in this match because it's such a high profile event. It's their biggest crowd ever. All that stuff. A draw seems a little bit unsatisfying, but there is this, the storyline thought rolling around my head of Kenny Omega couldn't beat Brian Danielson in a regular match. And so we want, we need to see the conclusion. We need to see the full match. So then you go to the pay-per-view. It yeah, just it, feels, it, it feels same, same to me. It, it which does, is, which is we're just coming off of Kenny taking a pin from Christian for the lower belt into, okay, you beat him in the big dance. And then we move into this thing and we can run back the same sort of thing. Don't get me wrong. Nothing is new in wrestling. Like everything that's, that we see is the same all the time, but it feels a little too mirrored to me to go that way. Yeah. That's the thing that's rolling in the back of my head is like, just did the same sort of thing with Christian cage. Although both matches were announced at the same time, both the impact title match sure. and the AEW title match. So it wasn't yep. like the outcome of the impact match, the AEW match. But like you said, there's nothing new in wrestling. So maybe they do go right back to it. It's also, do you beat Brian Danielson right out of the gate? I'm sure. I don't know. Back, I'm sure he's in the back saying, please beat me. Cause so that's his shtick, but he doesn't care. Right? Like, what do you, you're not going to bury Brian Danielson and you're certainly not going to bury him with a loss to Kenny Omega, who's essentially been unbeatable. I don't know. The, he took the loss from Christian Cage relationally to impact and what he'd done historically. Smart move. I'm sure Scott Demore was like probably beating that drum the day that he walked into AEW and they were going to cooperate and stuff. Like, I'd love to have this guy with a belt and not for nothing. Anybody that had any illusions that, Christian wasn't going to be able to go, did not watch either of those matches because the guy can wrestle. And I think what we're going to see too is just this constant escalation of quality of matches. There's so many guys that can really go right now that it's going to be like Punk's got to be on the outside sort of shitting himself. Gosh, yeah. I got to keep up with pace with all these guys. This is a right. lot. Because at some point Punk is actually building. 
he's building wins. He's probably going to be wrestling Kenny Omega, I presume, for the title at some point in the next five months. So you would hope. I'm interested to see. So he moves into this program with Hobbs and Team Taz and stuff. I think it's great how they how they've actually moved right into that and stuff. And it'll be interesting to me to see how Punk maintains a winning record while escalating young talent that he beats. Yeah. Can he continue to do that? How long does the shine stay on that? How tricky can he get, can he get with how finishes work with certain things? I don't know the the Taz thing that the team Taz thing that has me curious is, is this Brian Cage annoyance with how he's been booked a real thing? Is this them just planting seeds? Like I know it was a significant other that was running her mouth on Twitter, but as a Brian Cage guy, I can certainly look at the way that Brian Cage has been booked and I'm like, it's not how I thought it would have gone. For Brian, I did see Brian right on social media yesterday that he was over some injury or something that he was just getting over it. So he's setting his sights back on Ricky and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm presuming there was something there. The fact that he hasn't been on television. Correct. So yes. So CM Punk might as well move over to that. Now that's a rampage match. He's going to be talking, uh, you know, do a live interview for 80, you know, 48 hours before his first TV match. So he's going to do. Punk versus Hobbs on Rampage. That's Punk's gonna win that one. <laughs> There's not much to not much discussion there. Very different opponent though. Yeah. And I'm interested to see how he works that style opponent. Can he do the go to sleep? <laughs> I don't I that's a huge you have to do it from like Hobbs draped on the apron or something like that. And then you've got Hook that's roaming around as well. Like I, yeah, and the graphic, the official AEW graphic has Hook in, I don't street, know, in Street Fighter pose. Yeah, exactly. He's got like sort of like boxing shorts on. So maybe we're getting ready to, to unleash Hook's haircut. So yeah, I don't know. I have a hard time getting over Hook being MJF's gum guy back in the campaign days. So we'll see. That was Lee Johnson. Oh, that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was Lee. So let's move into the Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes match because that is. That's going to be on Dynamite tomorrow night. So is another one that's a little bit tricky because when Cody comes back for revenge, he's usually on the winning end. But Malachi Black, if they're going to continue booking him in this manner, is he just going to, is this going to be a big signature victory for him? Because he can beat Lee Johnson. He can beat Brock Anderson. Those victories don't mean much. He needs to beat somebody. And so is Cody the guy? Cody Rhodes to get his shine back has got to come from underneath now. I think that he, you're exactly right in how he's been booked with all of his storylines and he always wins the comeback match. I think Malachi Black to stamp his character and needs to trounce him. And I think Cody's got to pick himself up. And I, I, I think to me, I think they're going to tell the story with Cody that they were set up to do after the Brody beatdown, where we really didn't get to see that pay off or anything like that. So I think that Malachi is slotted in, not that he's going to take, I don't, if he's doing his, he's going to do his own faction. Like he's not a dark order guy. Like he's going to have his own, and he already, he called his shot with butcher and blade and stuff like that. So we're going to see house of black be a real thing. And he's probably going to have some, some different people come in for that. But I, I don't, I think Cody gets pounded on here and, and pretty badly. Like he's probably going to get bloodied up. Yeah. There will definitely be bloodshed. That's. That is just a Cody thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think I'm leaning on Malachi Black here. Okay. And MJF and Brian Pillman, there's not really, MJF's going to win that match. So we don't really need to come into that too deeply. I love you, Brian. I love you, Linda. I love your whole family. This was 
a nice, quick, shiny rub for you to get. And of course, I'll be making all my official picks tonight on the Essential Wrestling Podcast. But these, but this is good conversation here so we can get the best picks in my brain here as we move into a Brooke Baker versus Ruby for the AEW World Women's Championship. That's on Dynamite. So Dynamite's loaded. We've got Malachi Black, Cody Rhodes. You've got Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson. you got MJF versus Brian Pillman. And oh, by the way, don't forget about Baker versus Ruby Soho. And Sting's on the show too, FTR versus Sting and Darby Allen. But Britt and Ruby, I don't see any stopping Britt Baker. I think the momentum is just going to keep rolling. But then again, Ruby's probably going to have a good moment here. Biggest match of her career, I think. Yeah, she's just been over the moon with her experience so far at AEW. I think this is a really nice match to put together. I think it's a treat for the women's division. She can obviously still wrestle Britt. This will be a nice match to watch because I think the two have not dissimilar styles and similar body types. And I think that it's the promo work that they did last week was a hell of a setup for the match this week. Um, yeah, yeah that was a, such fuzz fire. That was I just, their promos have been working really well lately. So whoever's in the back that's helping them put them together and their own creativity has been crazy. And I like that they take the gloves off and they take the gloves off a little bit more and you get some inside baseball, but you get the reality of how they feel about the situation. And man, for the talent to allow each other to go that far with each other just says how much they really respect the product, the fans and each other, because these digs that they've had, these shots they take are like, occasionally they go too far in the Max Caster situation, but in general, they cut to the quick. Right. It's there. A hell of a build for a quick thing after a rumble victory. Yeah. All right, I'm going to read off some of the other matches and then we can just circle into whatever we want to talk about. Sure. We also have on Dynamite FTR versus Sting and Darby Allen. And then over on Rampage, we have the Super Click, Adam Cole, or yeah, Adam Cole and the Young Bucks versus Christian Cage and Jurassic Express. It almost felt funny to say Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. That's why I stopped. <laughs> um, Punk versus Powerhouse Hops. We talked about Men of the Year versus Jericho and Hager. Lucha Bros, Santana, Ortiz versus Private Party and the Butcher and the Blade. Anna J versus Penelope Ford. And what I presume will be the main event of Wrestle Grand Slam for those in attendance is going to be a lights out match between Moxley and Kingston facing Archer and Suzuki. Just so good, right? Like we got one of the most world-renowned Japanese wrestlers with his factional partner, Lance Archer, who came from over there, had a massive splash of the G1. AEW signs and brings him in. We got Suzuki Goon. We got John Moxley, who following Chris Jericho over there is a hard thing to do. And he put himself on the map over there after the Painmaker stuff. And you got Eddie Kingston, whose reverence is all Kobashi and all the Japanese legends. And if you really were to dissect his style, it's very Scott Norton-esque. It's very Japanese strong style. It's not a lot of glitz, not a lot of glamour. And this... This should be a knockdown drag out and like a really fun fight. Eddie's to watch. a New York guy. And he's a New York guy. You're going to see a lot of Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. This is a match for, well, I think we'll hear John Moxley's music at the end of Rampage because it's the sing along music. I think this is going to be Eddie Kingston's night. Oh, I agree. And, and if you want me to call my shot on where I think the match is that's missing, I think we're going to see some proud and powerful. Well, Santana and Ortiz and the Lucha Bros are facing Butcher Blade and Pri Oh, that's right. They're they're in the middle of that one. And there could be some dissension between that Lucha Bros, Santana and Ortiz 
team because yeah, that's they do feel like they're just on the cusp of a tag team title match. So maybe they're also in dissension here. Maybe they continue this little alliance and we see it later, but I could see that. That crowd is going to be on fire for both of those. There's a massive Latin community that's definitely going to that show. Like putting those two teams together on a four-way would have been like, if that would have been the tag match, that would have been out, out of control. But I think looking at the way these cards are put together, they honestly just tried to put almost as much talent as they possibly could on these cards. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. You got Sting on here wrestling. He, and he's only going to wrestle a few times a year. You got Sting wrestling, first live TV match for CM Punk. Like, they want New York to know we're going to bring the heat if we're going to be here. And I think Tony had said they plan on doing this. This is an annual stop for them. And if they put that many asses in the seats, why wouldn't Jeff Johnson asking if Rampage is going to be taped after Dynamite tomorrow night? Yes, it will be. So the spoilers will be out there. It's a four hour show that these people are going to get when they show up in Queens. So it's going to be a heck of a night for them. But yeah, try to avoid the, the spoiler sites if you can, because I think that you're going to want to see how this stuff plays out. There's no matches on rampage that are super super important to not know the outcome of uh it's not like you're watching a title match or a number one contender match or anything like that but but yeah yeah it's actually it's a, and that's interesting the only title match we really have is the women's match that's right no so that is here either by the way that is good but yeah i think we got miro i think will be uh, i'm sure he'll have a promo miro could be that sixth i don't think we're going to see him versus sammy guevara right now but who knows maybe yeah and then you also have so sammy guevara is obviously going to be an opponent for miro and then miro doesn't seem to be satisfied with his eddie kingston situation either so i think he's going to have maybe something to say there too i think miro went into that crowd in chicago and heard how loud it was and said i don't want to get away from this right now <laughs> exactly. because i don't think he's ever gotten that kind of response i either side of it since he's been anywhere so that thing was insane so I, I i think maybe the reason why we've only got five matches in dynamite is for what you called earlier and i think it's because omega and brian are going to go long yeah um, or something else will go long and surprise us that's yeah that could be too that could be too for sure so the other thing i wanted to mention we talked about this incredible ticket sales that they've had in New York and WWE is, is right there with them running New York, the same markets. Now WWE ran SmackDown in Manhattan. They did very great, good ticket sales. They, even if they sold every ticket they wanted to in Madison Square Garden, it wouldn't touch this because there's far more seats here. So set that one aside and look what they're doing in Long Island for the opening of the UBS arena for both a dynamite and a, I'm not sure if it's raw or SmackDown, but they, but WWE has a show there and AEW has a show there. They both took tickets went on sale around the same time. WWE sold about 2000 tickets. AEW sold about 6,000 tickets. So that graphic that was going around the other day with the, with the clip was crazy to me. And again, it, it speaks about momentum, right? This is a situation where based on days and times and things, shows that are run and stuff like that, we're going to see if they're going to keep throwing up dynamites like this and the fact that Monday Night Raw has to go against Monday Night Football, they're going to take them on raw gross numbers a couple of weeks. It's just, it's, that's going to happen. We're going to, we're going to start seeing you, The other thing about ratings is that ratings lag. Is it? So it's hot today. Ratings don't automatically appear. It's ratings, rates come along two to three months later. Look at right now, if you want to like an indicator of what's hot, you look at the ticket sales and then later 
couple months down the road, we're going to see the results of all these hot ticket sales and it'll be in the ratings. So if AEW is picking up momentum now, three months from now, they're doing one, four, one, five numbers or something like that. Crazy. What seems to be crazy. And then WWE sliding down because of football, you're going to be in a situation where you're looking at two companies that are in a virtual tie on cable. And I think your biggest difference right now is just, you know, the, the Sarsa concept, which, you know, a lot of people talk about that are in entertainment and WWE doesn't have a lot of surprise, right? So AEW is grabbing talent that they're that's moving to them for whatever reason they're deciding to move into them. They're bringing them in. It's well-respected talent. It's people that people wanted to see continue their story underneath the WWE brand. And with them, the tradition being to bring them in underneath the NXT brand, build them up, repackage them and bring them up. You're just outside of bringing guys back like a Brock or whatever, you're not getting a lot of that surprise side for the WWE product. And you're getting all of that in AEW. And it, it's good choices and it's good picks. So it's, it makes it even more must-see. And because the width of the roster and the lack of repetition, it's not like I'm just seeing a different ribbon on the same pig over and over yep. again. Yep. And we it, it feels like that. Like they just, gosh, by the time they move on into WWE storyline, we've seen like every iteration that those two wrestlers could have ever wrestled each other in over the course of months including two or three singles matches probably yeah yeah and and the thing is and i think i talked about this last week or the week before that i think the hardest part for the performers is the blow-off match a lot of times can't be the best yeah yeah excited to see the match yeah you're 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 supposed to culminate to this big conclusion where it's yes finally we're going to get the payoff and we're going to see this awesome thing you know what maybe that monday night raw no dq match was the best of the series and stuff like that now from a holistic standpoint, it's great. You can pick that apart and say, okay, I need to watch the product because I don't know when the best is going to be. However, like I want my best to be pay-per-view. And if you've run so many iterations to get to there, then that's the end of it. I think that's part of the reason why watching that product as a fan, when I watch the pay-per-views, sometimes the pay-per-views feel flat because I feel like, okay, that was a good match. I know these guys are going to wrestle or these gals are going to wrestle and it's going to be, and it's going to be a fun match but it's probably not going to be the best that we've seen versus what we see with this product where it's a culmination or there's some kind of iteration to it. Or a lot of times they keep the performers apart from each other. Like whether you're doing the labors of Jericho or however they're deciding to tell the storyline where it's man, the build up to it is such a big deal. And then it happens. And even like that Miro Kingston match was brilliant to start off with it at, at all out. And my gosh, now it's Crap. not one of the, it's and, and it's not one of those things where you see Gosh, well, thank God that Mira and Onetti and Kingston are moving on. No. Yeah. Hey, can we cycle back to that thing? Can we get <laughs> to three matches with those two guys, please? And their styles don't even line up normally. Like they're not, they're bulls, yeah. but they're very different stylistically in the ring. And that's interesting to see, but you know what? We might not see it for four months. Who knows? Yeah. Minoru Suzuki shows up. You figure something out. Yeah. We won't sick of it by the time we see it again. Correct. But, exactly. Yeah. One of the matches we didn't talk about was the, in detail anyway, was the men of the year versus Jericho and Hager. And the reason I bring that up is because Josh Alexander, Ethan Page's old partner before he adopted Scorpio Sky, he's the Iron Man. And he, on this past weekend, exercised option C. He's going to get a title match against Christian Cage at Bound for Glory. Uh, Travis, 
There will be a, a special that Al Carl will be hosting uh-huh. for Bound on October 23rd. You and I will be on the Jericho crew, so we will be able to talk about it in detail. But man, we saw Josh Alexander go 60 minutes in a Broadway with Fred Yehi in Chicago. And all the momentum in the world seems to be behind this guy. He just became a wrestler full-time after 15 years. Is Impact, do you think, going to pull the trigger? And this is going to be the guy who gets the title back for them. I would be okay with it. I think Josh, it's hard to find somebody that works harder, right? Like he did a 60 man on their program with TJP. Gosh, I hope he gets paid by the minute because the guys worked more hours of wrestling in the last 30 days than probably anybody that I've ever seen. This is out of control. Uh, Yeah. This is what we were seeing from Ibushi Okada in the Tokyo Dome going 45 every night or whatever, or Jay White in the same situation, like American wrestlers, you just don't see work this hard. Um, he's interesting. I think where he is a little flatter is his mic work and stuff, but I, I could probably say that about the impact brand in general. Um, yeah, and we haven't seen it a lot to be, to be fair. Like we really haven't seen him take control of the microphone when Ethan page was there, got Ethan page did all the talking because he's Ethan page. Yep. So. You know, so, so hopefully he's put in some work there. I think Christian would look at Josh's body of work with enough reverence and respect for him to say, yeah, you know what? I don't need this belt. Move on and move me back over to the other side and call it a day. I wouldn't be surprised by that change at all. I think you get to go face to face and you got a face title holder. Um, looks like Callahan, I got hurt recently too. Yep. So he's going to be out for a while. There's, you know, that's where you can talk about Eddie or a couple of the other guys be in the face of impact wrestling. I think with Alexander on his own, with his run with the sex division title and stuff like that, he's a very respectable wrestler and he can take on whoever you decide to challenge, right? You throw, Moose, you throw Moose in the ring against him. He's going to have a match. You throw Ace Austin in the ring against him. He's going to have a match. You throw Johnny Swinger at him. He's going to have a match. Like yep. he is their best bout machine right now by far because he just goes. All right, we have a couple of headlines to get into. We've gone way long talking about Russell Grand Slam. So let me, uh, let's go to a commercial real quick. We'll get back. We'll talk about what's going on with the G1. What's going on with Ric Flair? We'll be right back. If you love the Daily Wrestling News Show, then I want to tell you how you can support us. First, check out bodyslamclothes.com. You can get a variety of shirts for just $20, and all of them come in the super soft style, and the price you see includes all sizes and shipping. Get 10% off two or more shirts with the promo code SHIRTS10. Go to bodyslamclothes.com right now to check it out. And join Joey Jarzenka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca on Friday nights for the Primetime Rundown. They take you through the world of sports, and the show kicks off each Friday at 7 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And each Tuesday, Al Carl hosts the Essential Wrestling Podcast alongside John Smith, myself, John DeConi, and Gary Mahaffey. It's another week of updates and highlights in the world of wrestling. Here are our analysis on who we think is going to win the week's matches. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. Pro Wrestling Pick'em. It's a place where you can join or host a Pick'em League to test your predictive skills in the world of pro wrestling. Create an account and join a league now at ProWrestlingPick'em.com so you can play against your friends or play against the universe. And the Body Slam Brigade newsletter, currently going out to over 4,200 people each Friday. It consolidates all the top stories in professional wrestling into a quick-to-read email written by me for you for free. Sign up now at BodySlamBrigade.com. And of course, this show, the Daily Wrestling News Show. We're here every day, Monday through Thursday, and occasionally on Friday. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or watch us live on Facebook and YouTube at 10 a.m. This 
is the Daily Wrestling News Show, and we thank you for your support. We are back and talking about going from one hot promotion straight to another. GCW sold out the Ukrainian Cultural Center this past Saturday, and GCW has basically sold out every show that they've done. You can't get a ticket to them unless you get them on day one or day two. But the interesting thing that came out of this show this past weekend, yes, Ron Funches was on the card and he wrestled Tony Deppin and that's something. But <laughs> the main story out of that was that Minoru Suzuki is going to be wrestling Nick Gage. I heard reports of basically every wrestler was swarmed as they came through the curtain at this show in Los Angeles. But when Nick Gage walks out at the end, Put his challenge down against Minoru Suzuki. It was incredible. So everybody wants to touch him and be around him. It's Beatlemania, all that stuff. It's very weird in a very underground sort of way, the following that this guy has. But Minoru Suzuki, like you mentioned before, he's doing his tour. Yeah, you get baffled by Nick. Nick doesn't baffle me. And Nick doesn't baffle me because he's like this everyman thing. Like it's it, it does have the feeling like, I didn't ever get to see the Ramones or the Sex Pistols or anything like that back when punk was really, punk music was really popular because I, I compare it more to the punk movement than I do the Beatles movement because that was like a bunch of screaming prepubescent teens and I don't think Ringo or any of the gang was worried about their safety. When the Ramones or the Sex Pistols or Johnny Rotten or any of those guys came out, like that was a raucous, crazy crowd that was like beating on you. And that's what Nick comes out to. And honestly, I've got Nick by about 70 pounds. Nick is not a big dude. <laughs> he is no. very slender. He looks like the guy that might come to your house and lay some carpet down for you or something like that. Just crazy. And I'm happy that GCW has the success they have. It is a Saturday morning cartoons. It's the variety hour. You're going to get everything you can imagine. And some of it you're going to like, and some of it you might hate, and some of it you might grow to appreciate. And that's a show. You're going to get car crashes and train wrecks and glass tubes smashed over heads and things like that. Um, but you also get comedy matches and everything else. So you, you're going to get everything under the sun. And I'll, and I'll tell you what, you get a bunch of performers and a bunch of athletes that work their asses off. They love what they do and they love their fans. And shout out to Mittens as well, who's got to be front row. I don't know how he does it every single time. He's got to have an in. He was certainly front row at Dynamite last week. Yeah. So the other thing that they announced over the weekend that basically has you and I salivating to see is this Bloodsport card. Of course, it's again, October 22nd. So you and I will be busy, but Minoru Suzuki, Calvin Tankman, Killer Kelly, Marina Shafir all announced so far. I'm sure that'll be excellent. So yeah, literally everybody's running on the Jericho cruise. I'm like, yeah, this is annoying to me. So I'm going to have to get back and I'm going to have a lot of wrestling to watch and catch up on for sure. Yeah. You have to pick and choose. Mm-hmm. Okay, so on to the Ric Flair stuff. We talked about Ric Flair and Dark Side of the Ring, Plane Ride from Hell, and detail yesterday. But Ric Flair issued a statement He on Twitter. He basically said that he aired all his dirty laundry on the ESPN's 30 for 30. They found, and, and ESPN found no indication of sexual assault. He says because there never has been any sexual assault. So that's Ric Flair's point of view on the subject. Like I said, we talked about this at length yesterday. WWE has removed the woo from their that now forever show opener. They also took down any remaining merchandise they had, and they took down WWE Storytime Episode 1 from Peacock, 
this was the story, uh, story time where he was recounting the time he was flying to Honolulu and he, the flight attendants apparently insisted that he wear the robe, which he wears nothing under the robe. So he told that story. So, yeah, it, it, this, I won't go into too much comment other than to say it's interesting. You've got a corporation who is fully aware of activities and behaviors and things in the past. And as somebody that's working on 15 years of sobriety, I'm certainly not somebody that can't say that there's no such thing as redemption and people don't change their ways. And obviously he has certainly made some adjustments in his life, at least based on actions and behaviors moving forward with regard to the things that he did in the past and the person that he was in some way. However, going back and deciding to clean up this stuff now seems a little bit not above board. So now it's dumb. It's because it's dumb because you know what? It's not that WWE didn't know about this stuff. So they're going to punish, they're going to act like they're taking the higher ground now by taking the stuff down. They knew it happened or it didn't happen. Well, I there's a deal too. If you're, if they're taking that stuff down, understand all of us were like Peacock scrubbed. And that's not something that Peacock scrubbed. So right. corporate Peacock decided that was okay and appropriate for us to listen to and see. And I, I don't know, I hate the revisionist history. For me, I'm a person that thinks that we need to learn from that kind of stuff and move on. You know what? Give me a graphic at the beginning that says there are some things in here that we don't agree with now and that, that are a period of the time, but we want to make sure that they're historically documented in the right way so that we can move forward, we can progress as a society and then go forward with that because it, it, it is a very different world now let than them, what it was and start a conversation as opposed Correct. to trying don't to never happen. You're, you're censoring it and making make it and pretending it didn't happen you're getting away from anybody that was a victim of that situation and you're you're just not moving you're that's the opposite of progress cutting out and pretending that things don't exist is not progressive right okay again we had to deal with the dark stuff let's get back to the stuff we love of course it's not great news though tetsuya naito in the g1 climax he comes down with a comes down sounds like he got sick but he has a knee injury presumably from his night one match and all remaining matches for him the next nine are going to be forfeited in the g1 climax this presents a really interesting situation all of his opponents are going to get credited two points they're going to then have a singles match that's non-tournament against yuji nagata satoshi kojima or uh bushi so really it's good that this happened early in the tournament because if it happened late in the tournament, it might've screwed up the whole finish that they had planned or something like that. Big news that we're losing a person from the tournament. Yeah. And not a nobody name. This nope. was a guy that was holding two belts not too long ago. Naito was well-loved, well-known LIGA member and like kind of the head of that faction and stuff. So it's interesting. It's not, I, I certainly would have preferred that they inserted somebody from LIJ that wasn't in the tournament into his spot and go from there as opposed to this two point automatic reward thing. but. Yeah, imagine if they put Hiromu in there. Correct. Yeah. But it, Time Bomb is also a physical Time Bomb as well. So he could have hurt himself with that many matches too. So. And they're very rigid. By programming a junior in there, they probably don't want, they would want to beat him every match. And I'm sure they don't. Yeah, they, they try to hold close to the weight classes that they have. Yeah. yeah. Yep. On Raw last night, we have a couple of updates for Extreme Rules and we have a new set of champions. Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. won the tag team titles away from Natalia and Tamina. Natalia and Tamina, of course, going down in history as the least winning 
champions of all time. They just keep losing and losing, but all their matches are no title, but they lost the titles last night to Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley. So, so much for the lifetime achievement or the title. It's a little hard to imagine Rhea and Nikki not winning after they came out to the ring. They stopped on the ramp. They talked about Connor's cure for about five minutes and then went to the ring. They weren't going to get beat then. Come on, put him through the tables. You're like all ultimate baby face here talking about Connor's cure. Yeah, so. exactly. And then we had some updates for extreme rules. Jeff Hardy defeated Sheamus on the show last night. So that gets him into the United States championship triple threat match now at extreme rules. Of course, Damian Priest already has a victory over Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy's beat Sheamus about a million times, I think, including the bar brawl that they had last summer. So. We'll see it here. It looks like to me, Jeff Hardy's just probably taking the pin. So yeah, they want to get that belt off priest, but they don't want to pin him. Yeah. Or AAR priest. Like this is, I don't know what the average age is in this match, but it's up there guys. <laughs> Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor will now be an extreme rules match. So there you go. Hope maybe they'll define that on Sundays at just no. There's another no DQ match. Is that not an extreme rules match? That well, there's not a no DQ match, but the triple threat match, you don't get any disqualifications. So. Correct. So this okay. is just, this is the only extreme rules match on the extreme rules paper. The so only far. stipulation match that we have. Yep. Okay. So maybe there'll be some additional rules bending that'll be coming down the pike here. Is that this Sunday? Unless they add them on Friday or okay. And throw some color at your screen. NXT 2.0 returns tonight. We have a title match. Kushida defends against Roderick Strong, which should be a very good match. Yeah, that's definitely the physical challenge match of the night for sure. There you go. There you go. So we'll see where NXT 2.0 goes. Yeah, and we're going to see not Rick Steiner's son, but Braun Breaker. Breaker. Tomo poor Tommaso Ciampa had to actually say that name in his promo. Maybe he's going right to the belt with his NXT logo gear. It's I so weird to me how they decide to pick and choose who gets to carry on the legacy names. Like obviously Davey Boy Smith Jr. got to come out with that. And I don't know, I saw something about them not being sure where they're going with him. And then the Skyner got, so if you're like a WCW legacy, do you, you don't get to carry the name, but if you're a WWE guy, you get to carry your name. Are they worried well, that he doesn't look like Steiner or he couldn't carry the Steiner name or there's some baggage there? Like I, well, his actual, very name, curious. His actual name is Rex Steiner. Rex Steiner. That's his last name. Yep. So they can't trademark it, <laughs> have ownership over it. So that's, I guess yeah. it's a very poor and Maybe they want to see if he's good before they color him with the the tribute. What I think it's more certainly didn't happen with any of the legacies before. The thing with that is weird is that while they didn't give him the name, they also didn't talk about him being a second generation guy. They didn't talk about Rick Steiner throughout the match. So certainly. we'll see where he goes. I think he has some upside. I think he does look pretty good, but it's a strange thing about that. The strange thing about that too, is like Rick's legacy is very good. He's certainly not as controversial as Scott was. He was a guy that was well-liked in the locker room. There aren't any crazy stories out there, poor behavior choices or anything like that. So you would think like working man grinder, that kind of guy loved, like, why wouldn't you lean into that a little bit? Like, it's strange that they shut the door about that. Like I've seen him recently. He looks like he's in good physical shape and stuff. You don't want to have maybe a camera spot or something like that, or they just, maybe they just don't want to do the second generation. Here's my dad situation, but I don't know. 
I think it's a good Most story. Guys they debuted last week were second generation guys. Absolutely. Yep. But I, I think we need to give NXT 2.0 two, three weeks to see what happens. See if, if they introduce another six new people tonight, then it's going to be weird, but we'll see. We might, it, we might see it. Yeah. We may. This is going to be a totally different approach. I mentioned last week, I think that it's like AEW dark, but with titles. So yeah. competitive match here and there. All right. With that, Travis, anything else you want to talk about? I think we're good to go. Then we will. For Travis, I'm Ryan, and we'll see everybody tomorrow. John Smith will be here to talk about NXT 2.0. Whenever and the New York Jets. And the New York Jets, of course. I don't know how that's relevant because I thought it's for it, but moving on.